Well, today you get to listen into a conversation I've recently had with Andrew Pullen, uh, the Managing Director of Vortex Spas, Incorporating Spa World, uh, from his office in beautiful Nelson in New Zealand, as we discuss the growth in spas, uh, stock supply issues and strategies, and some speculation about the future. Ready, set, splash. Is proud to bring you Magnapool, the world's best and only true mineral pool system, providing the very best in water comfort and clarity. Magnapool is also beneficial to the environment thanks to its unique no salt formula. Partnered with the all new Hydroxinator IQ, showcasing innovative features giving you control over scheduling, pump speed, boost and low mode, heaters, lights, pH, and chlorine. All this via Wi Fi connectivity from your smartphone. Smart sensors and ultra long life cell ensures Magnapool owners save time, save energy, and save money. Find out more by going to magnapool.com today. It's my great pleasure today to introduce to the show and to our Splash audience, CEO of Vortex Leisure. Uh, it is great to have you with us, Andrew Pullen. Hello. Hey, David. How are you doing? Really well. I know you're an incredibly busy man. There is a lot on at the moment. Thank you for making some time. Oh, it's my pleasure. No, take your time. Andrew, look, we're going to get to um, spas and, and and all things in the myriad of, of challenges and opportunities and, and consumer and, and and everything around that that you're involved in. Um, mm. Tell us a little bit about Andrew Pullen to start with, uh, your role and uh, Vortex Leisure itself. Yeah, well, Vortex Leisure um, is probably best known as the owner of Spa World uh, in Australia right. and New Zealand. So yeah, we'd be, we're all familiar with that brand here. We see it yeah. in the shows and... Yeah, 15 stores across Australasia and um, our our US suppliers tell us we're now the largest spa specialist retailer in the world. So that's kind of cool um, to be doing that down that's under. no small feat. No, indeed. Um, but the other half of our business other than Spa World is also um, we are producers and owners of product brands. So we produce the, the Vortex brand of spas that we're most well known for. Uh, we also produce Fisher spas, uh, BAMP spas, which are available in Australasia, um, but also a number of white label brands that we sell throughout North America and Europe. So the products that we make are currently available in about 20 countries around the world. So it gives us a really good insight into international markets as well as those markets in Australia and New Zealand. And really being led right now, just for our audience so they know where physically you sit. Uh, in beautiful township of Nelson on the north of the South Island of New Zealand. That's right. We're really fortunate. We've got about um, 40 people at our head office in Nelson, New Zealand. Um, So even though we're primarily an Australian-based company, uh, we moved the head office over here about four years ago and and, uh, haven't looked back. It's a beautiful, beautiful place to be and short commutes for all of our staff being quite a small town, (laughs) kind of cool as well. Incredibly scenic, a beautiful place to live and work, no doubt. Mm-hmm. And in the global environment that that we we all work in, it is a small world, and that you can manage a global, as you said, world's largest spa retail there out of, the, out of Nelson, New Zealand. Nelson. That's right. Yeah, we're fortunate. We've all had to pivot. That was the word for 2021, and uh, learn how to work from home and learn how to work more remotely. And I, uh, I suppose you guys led the way before you know the COVID was a thing. Yeah, yeah, we actually. Um, Right from the get-go and re-establishing our head office in New Zealand, um, we set up to work from home or work remotely for those that chose to do so. And, and so we've got probably a hybrid model. So, of course, when when COVID came along and the world went into lockdown, we patted ourselves on our back for uh, that forethought and we didn't really take a breath. Um, you know, it was interesting when COVID started, us, like the rest of the industry, were probably thinking for those first few weeks that, 
you know, would we have a business in six months' time? And then we quickly yeah. figured out that not only would we have a business, but it it, it, uh, it would be considerably larger than what <laughs> we went into it with. So, you know, COVID's been a bit of a boon for our industry and long make it, may it last. But yeah, I can agree with long way the, the boom for our industry last, but, but mm. let's get through COVID, I reckon. Yeah, let's, exactly. Let's get COVID out of yes. the way and make the growth of our industry continue, Andrew. Separate Indeed. those two things out. Talk about that because you're absolutely right. If we cast our minds back, just like you took us there to about, I reckon it was, you know, March last year, mm-hmm. um, 14 days to flatten the curve. We were all there, Australia and New Zealand. That's all it's going to take. We'll be through this. And yep. then we realised it wasn't. It was going to be more significant. And a little bit of fear and apprehension really did set in across our industry of what does this look like? I mean, is this a financial crisis that's about to happen, an economic downturn, um, where, where the first things that drop off the list for people Obviously, travel was out, but you know, we're not going to be spending money on luxury goods like pools and spas. Yeah. Yet a month into it, all of a sudden, you know, in, in New Zealand, you might attend, and I don't know if you've got Bunnings in New Zealand, but the Bunnings here were, were selling out of, of all sorts of things, and we started to see that demand happen. Yes. Tell us about that from, from you know, your experience, because you were – You'd already pivoted to be able to, you know, run a global business out of Nelson, mm-hmm. but but this is this was a little bit different. How prepared were you for this, and how how's it how did it play out for you early on? I, look, I mean, we could we could um, congratulate ourselves on being prepared in terms of our remote working and the ability to work through lockdown, et cetera. But we we you know never anticipated a global pandemic, and um, I mean we've got pretty good risk management strategies. I have to say that a global pandemic wasn't on our risk register. So we had to spend it pretty quickly. <laughs> Not sure it was on anybody's, if yeah. we're honest. Yeah. So those first couple of weeks were, you know, um, playing out various scenarios as to which way this could go. I mean, at one point we were trying to figure out, you know, how long our cash would last if we uh, if we didn't sell yeah. another bar. And I think many in the industry were pretty, in, you know, much in the same boat. Sure um, but but quite quickly, um, you know, our, our thinking turned to, you know, how can we wind up supply and, uh I remember saying to one of my partners at the time, you know, I anticipate in six months' time, he who has stock wins. And so we doubled down on all of our purchasing, which was probably a pretty brave decision at the time. What was the timeline there again, Andrew? How soon did you see that happening? That whole process happened within two or three weeks, I'd say. Um, The, you know, things stopped dead uh, for less than two weeks, you know, in Australia, New Zealand was a bit longer because we we're in yeah. a more complete lockdown, but less than two weeks. And then things, you know, within a few days came back to what we would normally expect at that time of year. And then they started, you know, going beyond what we would normally expect at that time of year. So it was very, very quick, um, you know, quite, quite remarkable. And I think that, you know, um, despite our political leanings, we probably have to thank the various governments of our markets for, injecting stimulus so quickly and sort of uh, making everybody feel that the, the sky wasn't going to fall on their heads. And and before too long, you know, that stimulus was starting to be reinvested, particularly because people couldn't travel, as you've touched on. And I mean, I was just actually reflecting to somebody um, yesterday that, you know, I, I remember when a, an overseas holiday was something that you did three or four times in the lifetime. It, it, it Up until, you know, last year, it had become a a yearly, you know, event for people, whether it be Hawaii or Bali or Europe. And so, you know, when that money was, um, well, couldn't be spent, let's face it, on international travel, uh, it was burning a hole in people's pockets. And I I guess everybody, you know, like myself included, were thinking, well, how can we 
improve our home environment if we're going to be stuck here for a while and hence the um, the growth in, in backyard and consumer spending. I mean, that's exactly what we saw. I mean, my next door neighbours, and this will be replicated many, many times around our, our two great countries, did exactly that. They had a planned holiday, family holiday to Vietnam. They couldn't go. They sunk mm-hmm. the money into doing up their backyard, a new uh, outdoor pergola area, and, of course, to sit underneath the pride of place was a brand-new spa. There you go. Uh, they, they spent their money on. That's, that will be a story that is replicated hundreds, probably, in fact, tens of thousands of times. Oh, w- w- worldwide. I mean, you know, I think we'll probably touch on the worldwide challenges, uh, you know, that the industry is facing, but it has literally increased by a factor of three and supply chains aren't, you know, keeping up as things stand. So, you know, order backlogs are blowing out. So this 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 little boom is not going to end anytime soon, um, which is a good thing. Look, I want to circle back to that early decision you could see potentially writing on the wall, mm. but it was a, a bit of a, a gutsy business leadership decision there to to expose yourself to so much, I, I suppose, uh, future cash spend on, on product coming in so that you would have it. As you said, he who has can sell, he who doesn't mm. will not. Absolutely. Yeah. And we were fortunate that we've got quite a diversified supply chain. So we're not, we weren't reliant on, you know, a single source of supply and uh, we weren't driven as, as I know some um, retailers were to form relationships with, with unproven supply partners. Um, You know, we, we buy from our own factory in, um, in Asia, but also, uh, we're, the, we're the leading distributor of jacuzzi um, spas outside North America. And, of course, they they vie with Hot Spring to be the, the largest manufacturers in the world and they've been able to spool up quickly and we've taken advantage of that. So It's a household that, name, jacuzzi, really, when people think of, of a hot tub or a spa, mm-hmm. often the word that's used in its place. It's, well, I mean, Jacuzzi invented the concept of spa back in the yeah. back in the 50s. You know, the Jacuzzi brothers from Italy invented hydrotherapy massage at home, and uh, and they've grown on that since. And and wonderful company. I, I I really love those guys. They've got a great management team and awesome CEO. And we're very very fortunate to uh, have them as partners. So we've seen demand from consumer grow considerably um you know as i was saying my neighbors bought a spa they had i think at the time when they put their order in november last year uh turned into a four or five month wait Mm. actually took delivery of that spa i think where they bought it from had one display stock spa left that they sold 400 times you know you can have this one you can have this one (laughs) but um, i think that's happened probably a lot of places just trying to keep up yeah Um, so we've seen this demand increase as you said uh, cash burning a hole in people's pockets they would have spent on travel. $50, $50 billion yeah. business in Australia alone. With so a B. Australians traditionally spend $50 billion on personal travel each year. Uh, I think in New Zealand that figure was um, $10 billion, which is commensurate with the population. That so, is absolutely so combined $60 billion worth of, let's call it surplus cash, um, yeah. plus some because, of course, most people – you know, and a little more on their pay packet thanks to uh, the AUNZ government. So, you know, you could probably say that, you know, maybe 70, 70 billion was was available to redirect into home improvement, you know, plus at the time record low interest rates. So that helps as well. One of the things that we're seeing as well, Andrew, and just from a CEO level perspective, um, managing all that you're managing, what you've got your head across and your hand across, mm. there seems to be at the moment a, a pressure, an increase on pricing. 
Mm. Um, to do with shipping. We've seen the cost of shipping containers. Jason did some in a previous podcast. Let us know that a shipping container for him has gone up from two and a half thousand. He had to pay $16,000 for a 40-foot container recently. You've got yep. to amortise the cost of that out across what can actually fit in that container, driving prices up. Raw materials in China for people who are getting any raw materials or, or parts out of China mm-hmm. uh, are facing uh, power shutdowns. So there's mm-hmm. complication and pressure upon pressure upon pressure that mm-hmm. seems to be pushing upward prices what do you what do you see um in the in the short medium and long term around this this price pressure yeah that's a good question there's no doubt that freight rates have gone through the roof i mean fortunately we've got the volumes that mean we're not paying sixteen thousand, but it's certainly more than we were previously and uh, i know that our european distributors are paying in up to eight times what they would normally pay uh china across and, and actually the worst the tightest market is china to the us as everybody's probably heard from the um from the press yeah. Um, you know, there's a number of factors pushing up uh, prices, freight being one of them, um, cost of petroleum products going up. And yeah. let's face it, most, most of what goes into a spa has has oil as its raw material. So, you know, if, if plastics, et cetera. So if the price of oil goes up, the price of the components going into spas, there's, you know, um, demand is dramatically outstripping supply. So I think there's a bit of, you know, price gouging going on. And of course, there's upward pressure on labour rates as a result of all, all which we've just talked about. So, you know, we've across the board probably averaged, you know, between 12 and 15% uh, input price increases, yeah. uh, which yeah, inevitably... Everyone's in double digits, but some are far higher than that at the moment. Yeah, yeah. And that inevitably gets passed on to the consumer and, and it it, then you get into a cycle because they're, the consumers are looking for more and their pay packet to pay for the cost of goods. So, look, there's no doubt that inflation is, is a factor. Uh, I think that we've seen the peak in freight price increases. The McKinsey actually just did a, a worldwide study and they believe that things will start to normalise from the middle of next year, but we'll never get back to the levels they were previously. So, you know, if the base rate previously, say 2,000, it might end up at five or 6,000, but certainly not the sort of figures that you've just quoted. The price of oil will inevitably come down eventually and things will settle. But I think what we're seeing is a ratcheting up. So I don't believe we're going to see a, a fallback in prices. I think what we're seeing now is probably pretty close to the new normal. And then time will tell how that impacts demand, you know, and affordability. Uh, Certainly, we're not seeing the impact of it yet. But who knows? I mean, you know, eventually, if prices continue to go up, products just become simply unaffordable. And as an industry, we need to we need to look closely at that. and, And people are going to look for cheaper alternatives, which potentially for our market is good because swim spas are often a cheaper alternative to swimming pools. So, it, you know, what, what might be a loss for some industries might be a gain for others, I suppose right. time will tell. Yeah, look, it has been in some ways a perfect storm, only I sort of punctuated positively by the fact that there's been demand to meet all of those other increasing costs that are going up and, and maybe it's arguable that it is demand that's driven those costs up anyway. But you've ended up at the end where you sit having to manage those processes those price increases and work out what you can do sustainably to deliver a product at a price to a consumer for profit. Yeah, most definitely. And and, and I think what, as an industry, what we always have to remember is you don't bank percentages, you bank dollars. So, yes, you know, yes. if your volumes have gone up markedly, your dollar GP has gone up. So maybe you can afford to take a few points less in terms of your percentage GP. So that's something for every business person to, you know, model out. Um, or, or work with their accountants to model out. You know, we've made some calls in that area. Um, and uh, right now what we're seeing is somewhat sustainable, but I, I, I wouldn't like to see it going up much more, I can assure you. 
No, interesting data you've been able to present today here to, to my audience and myself that I was unaware of that seems to suggest that maybe that's that pendulum is swinging as far as it's going to go and hopefully coming back to a, a more sustainable normal. Yeah, uh, although the, the shipping industry was telling us that 12 months ago and it keeps going. <laughs> so, you know, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> yeah, again, 14 days to flatten the curve. Here we are uh, 18 months later. Who knows? Indeed. Indeed. Uh, we, just, we just keep uh, dealing with it. I think the slogan for this year, Andrew, is if last year was pivot, this year has been it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah I've, I've, heard, I've, I've heard that uh, many a time recently. So speaking of pivoting, let's pivot the conversation a little bit to some trends that, that, that you see. Um, you're across several brands and different products within those brands in a couple of different markets. So health and wellness across Europe, across the United States is, is turning into a, a multi, multi-billion dollar industry, possibly mm. trillion dollar industry uh, yeah. around the world. That's We're following suit here in Australia and no doubt New Zealand, you know, mm. men and women in yoga pants and wanting uh, health and wellness outcomes for their life. And you're sitting over a niche that that's really uh, fits that, that health and wellness side specifically well. I mean, we all do as an industry, uh, the health and wellness outcomes of kids off screens and engaging in pools and spas. Hmm. But what do you see in, in, in that space? Well, I, I mean, you've mentioned Europe and America and definitely those sort of th- first world countries are well into that, you know, health and well-being journey and um, their populations are ageing and, uh, you know, the, the baby boomers, as we keep hearing, have got their mortgage-free, they're cashed up and they're looking uh, to prolong their enjoyment of life. So, yeah. you know, that's a given. But um, what we're all also seeing is the same trends in emerging um, economies. So, for example, um, you know, China. Uh, China's mm. becoming wealthier as a country um chinese um the chinese population is becoming wealthier because of their hundreds of millions joining the middle classes over there indeed but also a hundred hundreds of millions coming up to retirement age uh with you know probably single single sons or daughters that are um you know becoming increasingly well off and want to look after mum and dad so I guess my point is is that it's not just first world um, society that's embracing the health and wellness um, you know revolution, let's call it. Uh, it's um, it's it's societies in, in emerging countries as well. I, I guess domestically or, or locally, what we're seeing is that the 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 same people are wanting to invest in quality. So, you know, um, you know, we're seeing less and less of the uh, hey, I just want a big bucket of hot water to sit in. And more and more of, um, you know, what can this product do for my health and wellness? And, and I think hence the massive surge in swim spa demand. And this was something that was was yeah. was going on pre-COVID and we believe will we'll accelerate post-COVID. Um, there are a number of factors driving increased awareness and demand in swim spas, smaller block sizes, increased awareness of health and well-being, um, you know, people looking for a maybe a smaller, more manageable, and more affordable solution. Uh, so we see that 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 growth and um, that growing trend in swim spa sales increasing, and not just in Australasia. I'm talking to my European and and uh, and American colleagues regularly about this continuing growth of swim spa sales across the world. Uh, and really, if we're looking at a supply pinch, that's where it's at. You know, um, very exciting area for us. You know, I think you've probably even answered my next question within that answer, which was where do you see the biggest opportunities uh, for, for you know, well, what you're doing as part of our industry specifically? And I, you mm. might have already answered that in in that particular response, Andrew. 
Yeah, so certainly. I mean, we, we are seeing that continuing trend in the growth of, of swim spa sales. And gosh, some years that, that's been, you know, 40, 50% year on year growth. So um, coming from a relatively small, you know, beginning, Australia was actually an early adopter of swim spas. I mean, um, you know, we were selling swim spas in Australia back in the early 2000s. It's been more recent in Europe and the US, which maybe a lot of people aren't aware of. Nice. So there's huge, huge headroom for growth there. Um, but also a lot of opportunity and quality um, hydrotherapy spa pools, ones that are you know low to, uh, low cost to run, easy to maintain, etc. And then what else goes around the spa? So if you're selling a spa, you know you need to look at shade solutions or outdoor heating, and, right? And those are products that are really we're seeing taking off as well. So look, I think anything quality in the backyard uh, that enhances lifestyle. Uh, has got a great future beyond this current, you know, COVID um, boom that we're experiencing. Do you see any other new product development in the future where, as you say, swim spas, you know, a number of years ago weren't really a thing. Australia's been an early adopter there. The world's picking mm. up on that. You know, mm. Are there any other, you know, new products, as you're talking about, around the pool and spa, saunas and the infrared are becoming a bit more of a, uh, a take-up here in this country as well, uh, and New Zealand, I, I assume? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're very successful in, in infrared saunas as well. It's a strong part of our business. And and the great thing with infrared saunas is you don't need a backyard. You know, you just need a couple of square metres of space in the home. So you're opening up the apartment market. It's certainly very popular with the, the Gen Z and the millennials because there's a lot of research that talks about the efficacy of, uh, of infrared um, in saunas. So, you know, there's a lot happening in that space. I think we've got a long way to go with SPA, um, you know, particularly as I touched on reducing running costs, reducing energy use, let's say, as we go into, you know, this uh, this climate change environment, uh, making right. them easier to operate. I mean, we've, you know, we've got a vision. We'll, we'll steal it from Bill Gates. He said he wanted a computer on every desk in every home. You know, we'd like to think that spa pools could become as ubiquitous as a dishwasher or a, you know, internal access garage, which, you know, back as as uh, as late as the 70s were a luxury item, you know. Um, so why not? You know, if we could if we could develop, you know, a spa pool that was, um, you know, cheap to buy, cheap to own, cheap to run and, and gave all of the benefits that spas currently do, then why couldn't we have a spa in every home? You know, it could, it could become as popular as a, you know, a bathtub in the bathroom. So that's our vision. Look, I, I like it. world domination and, uh, and and for people's own good to be engaged. As you said, some of the research uh, around the health and wellness of being engaged with the infrared saunas and then obviously we know about the, the, the spa benefits as well for health mm-hmm. and wellness and relaxation and rejuvenation, all of that good stuff. I think I'm getting ready to go and have a spa very soon, Andrew. <laughs> Having said that, you have been incredibly generous with your time. Before I let you go back to the myriad of things that you are, you've got to manage and uh, and and attend to, is there anything else that you'd like to to add to this conversation for our uh, splash audience today? No, I don't think so. I've and uh, I've enjoyed the chat, and uh, I mean, isn't it great to be selling products that genuinely help to improve health, well being, and happiness? I mean, there's not many products that you could you could say do that, and so. You know, our team goes to work every day knowing that they're improving people's lives, and um, that's that's pretty cool. Pretty cool industry to be in, eh? It is a very good industry to be in. I am. Uh, I feel privileged. I feel like I get 
to do what I do. I don't wake up in the morning and I have to do, I get to be a part of, of this industry. And, mm-hmm. and in particular for me, it's my great pleasure to work with mainly supply side and people industry um, contributors like yourself investing in innovation and education and making our industry better, which makes life better for the consumer, Andrew. So really appreciate you finding some time for us here on the show today. No, it's my pleasure, David. Ladies and gentlemen, that was CEO of Vortex Leisure, Andrew Pullen, joining us there today. I do hope that you enjoyed our conversation there with CEO of Vortex Leisure, Incorporating Spa World, uh, Andrew Pullen there. Some great strategic thoughts, some uh, very good leadership 101 again. Wishing you, your families, your teams a safe and a happy Christmas season as we emerge in a new year. Our uh, our heads up, our ears pinned back, ready to go. Thank you for your support this year. It has been an absolute pleasure to serve you with the podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and got some uh, good information and the inspiration even out of it and a few laughs. Look, and I do want to acknowledge uh, our sponsors of the podcast who have invested in this new form of communication for industry that uh, that hopefully you've uh, enjoyed being a beneficiary of. So in an alphabetical order, I do want to thank and please do support these guys, AIS Water, uh, Fluidra, Haywood, and Pentair. Thank you to you four companies for your willingness to invest in our industry and in these innovations. To you, uh, all of our industry, I wish you a Merry Christmas. We'll see you on the other side. Ready, set, splash.